the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Epilepsy, temporal lobe epilepsy to be precise, also referred to as TLE. It can be extremely difficult to treat. Neurona Therapeutics had a theory about what might help these patients. They've developed an unprecedented cell therapy, and while very early in human clinical trials, the very first subject to be administered the drug has shown remarkable improvement. We'll talk about the medical condition, their theory of the disorder, what Neurona has done, and the ongoing clinical trials. Dr. Corey Nicholas is the co-founder and CEO of Neurona Therapeutics. Dr. Nicholas, welcome to the program. Hi there, Moya. Thanks for having me. Now, before we get to the work Neurona is doing, let's start with the disease you're focused on, epilepsy. Who has it? How many people have it? What causes it? What treatments are currently available? So epilepsy is the fourth most common neurological disorder affecting more than 3 million Americans. That's a disease characterized by epileptic seizures, which are hyperactive electrical signals that are being transmitted through the brain. Um, and, and they affect the brain in different ways. Um, and there are two main types of epilepsies. Uh, one is called focal onset, which is uh, where seizures start in one part of the brain before they spread. And the other is uh, generalized onset, where they start across the brain all at once. And then there's a type in the middle where it starts focal and then spreads. And so you, there are many different uh, classes of epilepsies and seizures by virtue of where the seizures began and how they began and where they spread. What causes epilepsy is a very interesting question. Um, for some genetic cases, we understand the mutations, but for most cases, we don't understand the cause. And um, oftentimes, you know, it's thought that um, injuries to the brain could precipitate seizures and epilepsy, or severe uh, fevers in infancy can also precipitate seizures. But for most uh, people with epilepsy, especially uh, the type of epilepsy we're studying in adults called temporal lobe epilepsy, um, the cause is not well known in most people. Now, the, the problem is that, um, and partly because we don't understand the cause, uh, despite the existence of dozens of anti-seizure drugs on the market, uh, there, there's still over a third of people with epilepsy that continue to have their seizures and are not responding to the drugs. That's called drug-resistant epilepsy. And there is a great need for alternatives to help folks in this class because these seizures, no matter what type of seizure you have, whether it's focal or generalized, it can be total, totally disabling to quality of life. And people have a difficult time working and driving a car and uh, living independently and doing the things that they really want to do. Now, it's obvious to someone standing next to someone having a seizure, that they're having a seizure. You might not understand it yourself at the time, uh, but there has to be other ways that we can diagnose that, in fact, these are epileptic seizures. What can we do there? Right. So usually people know when they've had a seizure, um, they become quite uh, tired afterwards and confused. And of course, if they're in the room with a loved one or a friend, um, someone else can can alert them that they've just had one. Um, and then there's often a period afterwards where there's a recovery time needed before people can go about their daily lives again. Um, and so they can be um, 
quite striking. And um, of course, this will alert somebody to go see their physician. Um, and then physicians will typically refer to a specialist at an epilepsy center to be evaluated. And this is where uh, they'll ask a number of questions about the types of seizures, the feelings that you're having. And by virtue of how you're feeling when you're having your seizure, um, that helps the clinicians to identify and diagnose what type of epilepsy it is. But then after that, they will complement the uh, workup with electroencephalography, EEG, uh, where they will put electrodes on the scalp in the beginning and they will look for where the seizures are coming from and what types of seizures and how severe. And then of course, they'll do um, imaging uh, by MRI, uh, sometimes MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, sometimes uh, PET scanning, uh, positron emission tomography, um, to try to better localize where the seizures are coming from, because where the seizures originate is typically where they're most damaging. And this can have a damaging effect on the tissue of the brain in that part of the brain, and it will show up on uh, an MRI scan. And this is, in temporal lobe epilepsy, a big problem. Uh, and it, it's called temporal lobe sclerosis, which is a scarring of that part of the brain where the seizures originate from. So in addition to being horrendous in itself of having these seizures, as you increase having seizures, you're increasingly doing damage to the brain. That's correct. The longer you have your epilepsy, it's well known. You have a higher incidence for comorbidities, other types of illnesses and uh, symptoms such as memory loss. Um, up to half of people with drug-resistant epilepsy develop dementia. Um, it, it, it becomes a huge problem. People can have high anxiety. They can have alterations in their mood. And obviously, if you're not able to have the, um, the quality of life that you desire, um, that, that puts people in a depressed state. So there are all other types of um, secondary uh, illnesses that result from the epilepsy that, when it goes untreated. And it can be permanent, irreversible damage to the brain that just gets worse and worse over time and uh, makes it more difficult for people to go about their lives. Now, before we get to exactly what Nerona is doing, we need to talk about a term that we actually all learned during the pandemic, uh, cytokine. After the COVID virus attacked our lungs or whatever it was attacking, a cytokine storm would come as an immune response on this attack. And it was the cytokine storm that was way too aggressive and put our lives in danger. But there are all different kinds of cytokines and they need to be in balance. This is what you're telling me. I'm saying I'm saying it very confidently, but <laughs> tell, tell me what uh, tell me what I'm listening to here. No, exactly. Um, you know, cytokine is the top of type of molecular messenger that gets communicated through the blood and, of course, is highly relevant in the immune system. Um, in the brain, those molecule uh, messengers are called neurotransmitters, and those are what uh, the nerve cells called neurons use to communicate information through the network, which helps us um, with, our, with our cognition and you know, our consciousness. And... Um, there's a delicate balance of these neurotransmitters in a normally healthy functioning brain. Um, and there's really two main types of neurotransmitters simplistically in our brains. There's an excitatory one and an inhibitory one. The excitatory one is called glutamate. The inhibitory one is called GABA. And they need to be exquisitely balanced 
um, to maintain a healthy functioning nervous system. And when they get out of whack, uh, such as when, when epilepsy uh, begins um, or during a seizure, you have too much excitation and not enough inhibition. So what does science know about this in relation to epilepsy? Well, we know that most of the seizure drugs work by dampening down uh, the, the electrical activity and dampening down um, how the nerve cells uh, function, turning down their activity as sort of dampeners, breaks of the, of the nervous system, if you will. Um, and, and they do that in different ways, depending on the type of drug. But one of the most successful anti-seizure drugs is called the benzodiazepine, which is maybe the most familiar type is diazepam or Valium. Um, and that can be a very effective seizure suppressant. Um, and that works by, by boosting the GABA, boosting the inhibition. Um, and that's typically front line for acute seizure attacks if you were to go to the emergency room with a seizure attack. And it works very, very well in that emergency setting, but it does not work very well. And it's not well indicated in the chronic long-term cases because these drugs are taken orally by mouth and they go everywhere. And they have, they, they just don't go where the seizure starts. They're going to the entire nervous system and body and causing off-target side effects, adverse effects um, on other parts of the body. And the main side effects are uh, fatigue, uh, sedation, sleepiness, uh, and of course, addiction and tolerance that develop. And so they're not well-maintained uh, in, in the uh, long-term chronic care setting and not very effective for people with drug-resistant epilepsy. So what is Neurona's big idea? So our idea at Neurona with our first product is to develop a cell therapy that is a cell that produces the GABA and secretes the GABA. And it's a cell that's actually a nerve cell, a neuron that would normally be there in the brain, in those parts of the brain where the seizures begin. And we know that there's not enough of those cells and not enough of that GABA uh, in, in sites of seizure onset. And so our idea is rather than putting the GABA in everywhere, we're going to use the cells that have the GABA and we're going to put those cells and the GABA right precisely into the place in the brain where the seizures begin. And this way we can maintain the effectiveness without those diffuse side effects. Well, we know you had to do a lot of work to say, okay, not only for your cells, but for the FDA, we're going to, we're really going to try this. And, uh, and you have. You've actually started trials, and, uh, and, and tell us about them, and you've actually already implanted it in one subject. That's right, and um, this is decades in the making. It goes back to early discoveries that we made at the benchtop at the University of California, San Francisco, and then led uh, eventually to uh, Nerona's launch uh, in 2015, and now seven years later, after a ton of rigorous benchtop laboratory testing, we're now at the point where the FDA has allowed us to go forward in the first human patients. Um, and so the first trial that the FDA has cleared just a few months ago is in this exact same population we've been talking about. It's people that have drug-resistant temporal lobe epilepsy, where you can see the part of the brain that's damaged on the MRI, so we know exactly where to implant the GABAergic cells. Uh, and these cells are called interneurons. And we go in there uh, and we use MRI to guide and implant the cells directly into that part of the brain. 
and the cells are intended to, and this is a one-time procedure, um, the cells are intended to last long-term uh, and provide the GABA and to become part of the network and to restore balance to that part of the brain and quiet the seizure storm. Uh, now, um, we did treat our first patient uh, three months ago, and we're excited to say that the patient has been doing very well thus far. Um, there have been no serious or uh, severe adverse events, side effects reported to date. Uh, and the um, effect on seizure reduction, albeit early, um, and, and obviously we need to test this in additional people, um, but so far it looks very encouraging where this person was having over 30 seizures per month on average before the cell therapy was administered. And since the cell therapy was administered, they've only had four seizures in the last three months. So we're very excited so far for how this is going. Uh, we're cautiously optimistic that it will continue. And um, this, the, the FDA and, and the safety board that monitors the trial uh, just recently cleared safety on this first subject um, this past week. And uh, we are now allowed to continue enrolling patients, which the, uh, the second person will be treated very, very soon. So tell us about the rollout. You did one. Now you're going to do another I mean, you can't do one at a time into infinity. How, how are you doing this? So the, the, with any first in human trial, the primary objective is to determine safety. With safety being paramount, understandably, uh, we want to have a stagger between patients to make sure it's safe before we put the cells into additional uh, people with drug-resistant epilepsy. So um, we have the second one coming, and then we will wait another two months the safety board will review the data, and assuming that it's safe, they will allow us to go in to the next three patients all around the same time to complete the first dosing group. This is all open label, which means the, the, the patients know that they're getting the cell therapy. Um, and um, after these first five patients, assuming it goes well, we will then next year begin to treat people with the same type of epilepsy, but at a higher dose where we're putting in even more of the inhibitory cells. Besides observing uh, how many seizures they have as a result of this and observing, I know that you're looking for two months in terms of safety, but you're continually going to be tracking these people, obviously. Uh, what other things are you looking at? Are you going to be doing MRIs? I mean, how are you examining what's going on in the brain? Yes, we are using other measures. Um, first of all, there is um, a contrast dye um, so that during the implant of the cells, we can see the cells going into that part of the brain to confirm that they're put into the right spot, precisely into the right spot. And we had that on the first uh, case, and it, it's really fantastic to see the cells being delivered on target in real time in this way. Uh, and then we use MRI at every follow-up visit to make sure that there are no structural uh, abnormalities or safety issues happening with the cells. Um, obviously, these cells, they, there's no stem cells in the product, even though they come from uh, stem cells. Um, there is no residual, um, you know, what's called a, a, a precursor cell that could divide. But that's an important safety measure in this trial where they're making sure that there is no new tumor formation or anything of that type, uh, which you would see by MRI. Um, so MRI is a huge uh, piece 
of the follow-up, as well as a related uh, technique called MR spectroscopy, which looks at um, metabolites, uh, little molecules in the tissue, like the cytokines that can change due to inflammation uh, and also due to seizures. And so we can track, uh, we, we hope to track the activity of the cell therapy uh, non-invasively with this MR, with these MR methods. And then there's EEG, of course. And EEG is used to look at how many um, electrical spikes there are um, in this part of the brain over time. And encouragingly, with this first uh, subject, um, they were having about a discharge per minute before the procedure. And so far, they haven't had any detected in the first follow-up. So again, you know, early days, but encouraging. Now, when you say discharge, you're talking about like an electrical discharge in your brain? That's right. That's right. An electrical event. Yes. Something that's showing that it's a, it's a over overly excited and therefore we're on our way to a seizure. So we're seeing right. a calming in the brain. Uh, this is... This is this is real science. You're at the edge. You're at the edge of science here. Um, this has been an amazing journey, uh, but it hasn't just been about epilepsy. You're thinking it has applicability in other uh, situations, in other medical conditions as well. That's right. And we think that this hyper-excitable electrical state that you just well described is at the root of multiple disorders of the nervous system. And one of the next indications we're pursuing uh, is going to be for Alzheimer's disease. And there's now uh, quite a bit of evidence coming out from clinical studies showing that up to half of people with Alzheimer's disease also have this epileptic-like activity in the same part of the brain, what's called the temporal lobe, which is the memory center of our brains. And that this electrical activity can actually um, potentiate, increase uh, cognitive decline. Um, and people with the signature deteriorate faster. So it seems to be not just a signature, but a signature that has clinical meaning. And now we want to test whether we can put these inhibitory cells uh, into the same part of the brain in people who have Alzheimer's disease, who also have this epilepsy signature to see if we can slow that progression and hopefully help people improve their quality of life. Now, the um, the people that have um, this type of um, signature, it, it's, it's interesting that it's gone undetected for so long because these are not typically convulsive seizures. They're that type that we were describing that's a sub-convulsive uh, focal seizures, um, these electrical discharges that people with Alzheimer's don't know they're having. And so you have to have an EEG, a special type of EEG to actually detect this. And now the technology has advanced in recent years to the point that we're able to run these studies and finally detect this really interesting clue, which may serve as an important uh, biomarker to find people who may respond to this novel cell therapy. Now, I ha just have a few more questions. One is... Did something happen to these people who have epilepsy, this level of epilepsy, uh, to, uh, to create this situation? I mean, you mentioned earlier perhaps a, a high fever as you were a child or something like that. Do we know? Most times we don't. Um, in some cases, you do have uh, infantile uh, fevers um, or uh, injuries that can you know, cause damage in one part of the brain and trigger epilepsy and seizures. But um, many times we don't know the cause. 
Um, and, and typically for temporal lobe epilepsy, it's uh, most commonly diagnosed in the teenage years. And so it, it happens suddenly out of the blue, and it can happen earlier or later, but most often happens in um, adolescence, teenage years. And um, again, you know, half of people still have seizures, and it's thought that a third of them are not satisfied with their current level of, um, of treatment, you know, with the, with the drugs. And, and for people that have a temporal lobe epilepsy that's resistant to drugs, there is currently one option for some people, and that's a lobectomy to actually remove uh, or destroy with a laser this part of the brain and basically wipe out that excitatory drive that's causing the seizure. And it can work for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. It works for about half of people that go through with this, but it risks um, significant um, side effects, as, as you'd imagine, uh, to memory for some people, uh, to vision, to mood. Uh, and so it can be quite disabling for some. And some people are not eligible for the lobectomy by virtue of exactly where the seizures are coming from and how many of these uh, focal seizure areas there are in the brain. And, and these, this is where we think the cell therapy could really provide a complementary option for people that are not inclined or eligible to have the current standard of care. And, and this um, cell therapy that we're developing, of course, is intended to be regenerative, restorative, non-destructive, and has the potential to provide this, um, this alternative to give those folks some hope. Now, you mentioned that this trial is focusing on uh, people who ha have uh, temporal lobe epilepsy and who are drug resistant. And uh, you're going over a number of months here, if not, uh, you know, a year or more to go through all of the trial. If, if someone or a family member is interested in finding out more or potentially participating in the trial, how do they go about that? Absolutely. We're recruiting 10 people for this first phase of the trial uh, across 20 centers, uh, all in the United States, in different parts of the country. So if um, you or a loved one um, has this type of epilepsy and you think you might be eligible, um, you know, please talk to your physician. And um, you can also go to our website at uh, neuronatx.com, uh, where you can find all the information about the trial. Well, well, Dr. Nicholas, this has been terrific. I hope you'll come back and see us again. Well, thanks so much, Moira. I just want to also thank the team at Nerona, who's really been a labor of love for these past, uh, you know, uh, seven, eight years working on this, and a lot of contributors, um, both, you know, investors and um, uh, employees and uh, patients and clinical teams all across the country. It takes a village and all of the stakeholders have been very supportive. And I want to also really um, acknowledge the brave people that are taking this therapy for the first time in history, the first cell therapy ever for epilepsy. Um, what a, um, a, a brave, uh, heroic thing that they're doing um, to, uh, of course, help try to help themselves, but to, to help advance the field as well in a very altruistic way. So thanks so much for all of the support all around. Dr. Corey Nicholas is the co-founder and CEO of Neurona Therapeutics. Since the time of this recording, Neurona Therapeutics has treated a second temporal lobe epilepsy patient. More information about the ongoing clinical trials and the company itself is available at neuronatherapeutics.com. That's Neurona, N-E-U, 
R-O-N-A, neuronatherapeutics.com. For Tech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.